0: Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers
1: podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's up, Bucks Nation? Welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Bucks Podcast, the first episode today of the Locked On Bucks Podcast, as we're going to have a two-part crossover day of episodes, I suppose, two episodes coming at you. One featuring Ross Jackson, the Locked On Saints podcast. The other featuring Julian Council of the Locked On Panthers podcast as we preview the NFC South division before we get to the preseason action starting tonight. I am your host, David Harrison, on Twitter at dharrison82. My co-host, James Yarko, can be found at underscore Bucks. the show Locked On Bucks, on Twitter at Locked On Bucks. Find everything James and I are doing in writing covering your Tampa Bay Buccaneers For BucksNation.com, part of SB Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Up now, we've got our crossover with last year's NFC South Divisional winners, the New Orleans Saints and the host of the Locked on Saints podcast, Ross Jackson. On Twitter, at Ross Jackson, Nola, host, of course, of the Locked on Saints podcast, partnerships manager for the Locked on Network, co-managing editor of Canal Street Chronicles, Co-host of Dylan and Ross Save Sports on Full Press Radio. Member of the National Association of Black Journalists. And oh, by the way, my boss at (laughs) Lockdown Podcast Network. So make sure that after you listen to this episode, you throw a lot of likes, retweets and shout outs to how great the show was, because uh, it might help me when it comes time to renegotiate my contract, which <laughs> we actually never do. But Ross, welcome to the show. Uh, we talk a lot, so I, it's hard to say like, oh, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while since right. we've gotten together for an official crossover to talk upcoming football, though. So uh, how have you been this offseason? Let the Bucks fans who love you and the ones who hate you honestly know how things have been going down uh, in the Big Easy. Hey, things have been
1: things have been great. Glad to be back here with you and to be able to jump on a show with you again. The last time that we talked, uh, neither of the Bucks franchises were champions. Now they're both champions, which I think is pretty cool. you take yeah, a look like at the that. NBA and the NFL. Yeah, yeah hopefully more people
0: that are like googling Bucks podcast for the Buccaneers are finding us now instead of the, the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> that was that's uh, when when Carl came on. This is our listeners aren't going to care about this, but when Carl came on, uh, that was like the first thing we attacked. Is like, hey, how do we make Buccaneers come up instead of Bucks when people search B U C S? Oh and, wow, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I think the Tom Brady effect has worked in your favor there,
0: uh, absolutely. And and speaking <laughs> of quarterbacks, right, the most important position on the field, we all know that the Saints had a good one. Now they've got two quarterbacks, uh, two could be good in their own right. Is the quarterback situation the the single biggest storyline for this franchise heading into 2021 season or is there a bigger storm somewhere out there out that outside of the Saints circle we should turn our attention to Uh,
1: it's interesting I kind of wish that the quarterback uh, competition was the biggest story in the Saints preseason so far but it's actually kind of hard to say that at this point because it almost feels like the quarterback competition as it's been raging off the field already for quite a while is kind of accepted that that is now just a part of what this process is. And now Mm -hmm. that they've gotten on the field in terms of training camp and everything, we're starting to watch that all unfold on the field, which I think is great. But now you have Michael Thomas, who, for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, a surgery on his ankle was delayed, didn't get in until June. You're looking at 12 to 16 weeks, which includes both recovery as well as um, uh, kind of rehab time, that timeline, of course, beginning in June. And so you're looking at him potentially not being available for the opening portion of the season and not sure how many games that could be. Some reports are saying up to five. Mm -hmm. So he could potentially go to the PUP list. Actually, he's already on the active PUP list. If he goes to the reserve PUP list, then he would automatically be out for the first six weeks. And then his earliest return would be week seven against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. If you see them bring him back and let him go into stretch and then, you know, he makes a 53-man roster and then they send him an injured reserve, then you can expect somewhere around three games being the expectation at that point with the injured reserve rules not changing. And then over on the defensive side, you look at the quarterback two spot opposite Marshawn Lattimore and potentially even the quarterback one spot in place of Marshawn Lattimore who had an off-season arrest. It could potentially be suspended in the early portion of the season and there's already a hole opposite him with the loss of Norris Jenkins over the course of the offseason. So mm. I'd love to see that the quarterback competition is the biggest story, but there are some pretty weighty stories elsewhere on this roster this year, too.
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, David Onyemata is, is, is another impactful storyline going on in New Orleans. So. It's like Drew Brees way. and everybody pretty much said, "Oh, here comes all the salary cap manipulation coming home to roost." But really, it's it's been a lot of other things coming home to roost for the New Orleans Saints. But let's let's talk about that Michael Thomas situation a little bit more. Um, so, for those who or those Bucks fans who are not up to speed on this story, go back to our last Friday episode. Uh, James and I talked about that story and reacted a little bit to that story. And I want to get your thoughts on this because a lot of people are kind of comparing this to Scottie Pippen. Uh, during his time with the Chicago Bulls and he had some some contract disputes so he decided to wait uh, basically and Scott even said like I'm I'm on vacation I'm going to take my vacation I will do my surgery to recover from a playing injury during playing time and that's kind of what Michael Thomas is doing functionally but I don't know if that's really the spirit behind it but I kind of myself went on a little bit of a rant and said you know what I kind of blame Sean Payton for this whole thing because Michael Thomas injured his ankle trying to run up the scores on the Buccaneers in Week One in the first place, and now this whole thing is kind of snowballed here. Do you think Michael Thomas is, is doing like a Scottie Pippen type of thing, or do you think he legitimately maybe thought he could rehab the thing on his own, and now he's realizing he can, and it's it's kind of too little, too late or whatever? But now he's trying to make the right moves to stay healthy in the long term.
1: Yeah, no, it's just simply too little, too late. I mean, it, it's a frustrating it's a frustrating situation and a frustrating scenario. But I, I'm not going to talk negative of any player or any coach. Or any part of the organization around this, because Mm -hmm. I mean, he was told by a doctor after the first visit that, hey, you might be able to rehab this, but surgery seems most likely. So come back for a second visit. And for whatever reason, which we still don't have this information, the second visit did not happen. And so Mm -hmm. without that information, I don't know where to place blame. Couldn't care less, honestly, about where to place blame, because where to place blame is really not important. What the Saints do now to sort of Deal with the loss of Michael Thomas again for a second straight season here remembering that he missed several games last year as well is what's far more important to me. So I'm not really putting any energy toward that personally. I think some folks are and that's all fine. But for me what's most interesting is are the Saints going to try to solve this uh, loss at the wide receiver position with not only Michael Thomas, but let's add to the laundry list here because you also have an offseason arrest early on in July of Deontay Harris, mm-hmm. who was maybe the one and only receiver that was at all productive in that Stanton Bucks game in the uh, playoff game in uh, back in January. And so that's a big deal for them, too. So are they going to fix this and try to address this in house with guys like Trey Quant Smith, Marquess Calloway, Jalen McCluskey, and some of these other lesser known but trustworthy wide receivers in terms no. of experience with the system? Or are they going to go outside of the facility? It seems so far that inside the facility is where they want to go. But to me, that's where I'm focusing the attention.
0: Yeah, and that, and that makes perfect sense. So what I'm hearing is draft Marquez Callaway in all fantasy football uh, scenarios. So quarterback, though, we do need. I do want to wrap up this, this segment with a quarterback. Jameis Winston mm-hmm. Taysom Hill. We do it or... all the time. We do it all the time. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. We do it all the time. Or both of them. Is it going to be one, the other, or is it going to be a combination of both? Look, for me, I I still have Jameis
1: ahead when it comes to this quarterback competition. I mean, he has the NFL experience, Taysom Hill, so far with only the four games. But this is a legitimate quarterback competition. And if Jameis wins, it doesn't mean that Taysom's not going to take snaps at quarterback. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's going to be both of them uh, and that it's going to be a two-quarterback system. But I do think you're going to see Taysom Hill get some snaps under center, on third downs, potentially even in the red zone where they like him so much. And of course, where, you know, Alvin Kamara becomes a big weapon in the red zone as well. So have two of those weapons on the field. You know, there, there could be an interesting thing that happens too that, you know, how does the loss of Michael Thomas affect their decision in terms of what type of an offense they want to run while he's not out on the field? Do they want the same offense they had, you know, last year without Drew Brees, without Michael Thomas? I don't know if that's actually the best the, the, you know thing that they're going to be able to put out on the field. No. Does, you know, or does having Taysom Hill out there and you know having the extra uh, sort of element of being able to get outside the pocket, pick up some yards, run QB power, do all these things, does that then appeal to them? up until they get Michael Thomas I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. But I do know that both of these guys are getting a legitimate shot. And, you know, day by day, things change. So far as we've gone through, we've seen a few days with Taysom getting snaps with the ones, a few days with Jameis getting snaps with the ones. That'll continue, and they'll continue to do it not day by day, but a couple of days at a time so that they get a really good opportunity to build some rhythm with the first teams and then make the best decision that they can going into the season
0: from there. This episode of Locked on Bucks podcast brought to you by Rock Auto, save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why would you spend 30 50 even 100% more for the same part at a chain store or a car dealership than you can get it for at rockauto.com? A Honda Odyssey fuel pump is going to cost you about $350 at a popular chain store, but you can get it at rockauto.com for $216 because rockauto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years and their prices are reliably low for every customer. Better yet, they have everything you could ever need, including brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast on Twitter, at Ross Jackson Nola, joining me here on the Lots on Bucks Podcast and Ross. Uh, those storylines are obviously going to continue to develop during the preseason, then the regular season, and then we'll see how those things go. But before we get all to that on to that, of course, we've got to catch all the Bucks fans up on what the Saints have been doing this offseason. We know uh, there's been some losses, but there's bound to be a few new faces on every team, even one that everybody perceives as cash strapped as the New Orleans Saints are. So who are the new faces on the New Orleans Saints roster that you think might be able to contribute? I, I usually say let's stay away from draft picks. But I mean, is there a new guy on this roster that you think could really stand out there during, during the season and specifically when they play the Buccaneers twice this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that early on in the season, so before they play the Bucks, one guy that I would I would keep an eye on would be Tano Passigno, who played with the Kansas City Chiefs last year. He was one of the Saints' few free agency additions. I mean, the Saints added, like, a defensive end in Tano Passigno, but then also added, like, a fullback and a tight yeah. end, too. You know what I mean? Not a huge uh, bit of, uh, you know, additions being made when it comes to free agency, but right. Tano Passigno now all of a sudden has a specific role that he might potentially fill. he's getting a lot of work during camp at out on the edge but he has a lot of experience playing on the interior and we referenced david on being suspended for the first six games so the first seven weeks because the saints have a bye week, week six his ability to be able to play inside and out could potentially give him a ton of snaps in this saints defense and on the saints defensive line where they usually rotate eight to nine players every game and they're constantly shuffling not only the combination of players but where those players are taking their snaps from Two i one tech three tech on the outside you know wide nine i mean they do everything and they deploy these guys everywhere and so he would be one of the biggest additions and free agency additions that i think could potentially contribute immediately and then one other that i'll just quickly mention is pete werner the linebacker mm-hmm. that he drafted out of ohio state big hole next to demario davis big battle right now for that will linebacker spot between Zach Bond, who the Saints drafted last year in the third round, and then Pete Werner, who they drafted this year in the second.
0: Absolutely. And then, of course, you have the other side of the coin, which is losses. Drew Brees retiring. Obviously, he's he's going to be the biggest loss right. outside of New Orleans, at least. And, and performance-wise, everybody can argue how big of a loss it'll be performance-wise and arm talent and all that stuff. But you can't you cannot deny what he means. Uh, to the City of New Orleans, to the Saints franchise, the leadership. I listened to his appearance uh, with Mark Ingram and mm-hmm. Cam Jordan. I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of their show off the top of my head. Do you remember it? Uh, trust you know Levels. It? Yeah, Trust Levels. There you go. Great, great episode. I mean, even if you hate the Saints, guys, listen to that episode. You learn a lot about Drew that I, at least I didn't know, and maybe people close to the Saints did, but I learned a lot about Drew that I didn't know. Kind of, I, I kind of have a new light of respect on him, but anyway, Losses on this team. Let's take Drew Brees off the table because, duh, obviously that's going to be huge. Who else is is missing from this version of the Saints that you think is going to stand out as a departed piece?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think if you look at all of the issues, not issues, excuse me, but all the challenges right now that are kind of hovering around the wide receiver position, it might be expected for me to go with Emmanuel Sanders, but I'm going to stick with the cornerback spot opposite Marshawn Lattimore and say Janoris Jenkins. Even general manager Mickey Loomis has since said that if things would have worked out a little bit differently, that they would have worked to keep Janoris Jenkins, or they would have made a better, a different decision with Janoris Jenkins. He was great for them last season. Uh, He had, you know, one of the biggest plays to start off the opening season with the pick six on the out route, which I wish quarterbacks would just stop throwing opposite field out routes. Like, we just have to stop this. And and really, it's not even on the quarterbacks. Offensive coordinators have to stop calling this crap. Like, it's just bad. But anyway, uh, I'll step off my soapbox for a second. I hate those. I hate those. Oh, believe me, our (laughs) listeners have heard me complain about those plenty of times. (laughs) Drive me nuts. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he was a big he was a big loss for the Saints. Not just because of his play at the cornerback position, but being a veteran secondary piece along with along with Malcolm Jenkins to kind of lead the you know in terms of cultural leadership, but also bringing film study to the forefront for the New Orleans Saints. Like that interception, which I believe was a target to Justin Watson, mm-hmm. was all <laughs> film study. Like they, he saw the spray release diagonal to the outside. And he knew exactly what route was coming. He was able to jump it and then take it home. And I think that that type of mentality and that type of in- football intelligence is something that the Saints always invest highly in. And I, I'm sure they would have loved to have kept him, especially considering that here we are, uh, you know, into August uh, without any, real solution opposite marshall Lattimore at this time at that very position
0: yeah i actually have an unhealthy dislike of justin watson and the number 17 because he seems to always be the target when when those things happen and it relates to a buccaneers quarterback uh so good stuff there now let's let's move into the nfl draft class uh conversation you already talked a little bit about one of the picks but for mm-hmm. buccaneers fans again who don't know who the saints drafted first round Peyton Turner, defensive end out of Houston, P. Werner, like you already talked about, linebacker from Ohio State in the second. In the third round, Paulson Adebo, the cornerback out of Stanford. Ian Book, quarterback out of Notre Dame, future Drew Brees, maybe or mini Drew Brees, round four, and then round six. They got Landon Young, the offensive tackle out of Kentucky. And then seventh round, K-1 Baker, wide receiver out of South Alabama. Who's your who's your favorite guy in the class? Oh
1: man. Um probably Paulson Adebo. Uh uh. Kawan Baker, a very short, a very close second mm-hmm. for me, although I love the pick of, of Peyton Turner. I'm one of the few. But um, I, Paul Sinadibo was somebody that I was extremely high on coming into this draft class, and he was somebody that in 2018 was a first-round guy, and in 2019 kind of fell off a little bit, had an ankle injury, only got through nine games of his, of his collegiate season there. And then, you know, had a couple of bad games, had a game against UCF where he got attacked quite a bit and, and, and gave up quite a bit, but then he opted out of the 2020 season. So all those things mm-hmm. kind of combined really kind of knocked him down, especially opting out of the 2020 season where you just don't have, you know, by the time that he hits the field, assuming that he hits the field in September, hasn't played since November of 2018. So nearly two oh. years will separate his last start from his next start, right? So I think that like that, that factor really knocked him down boards quite a bit, but at six foot one, 200 pounds, a former wide receiver, fantastic ball skills, big hands, uh, as a former receiver, of course, understanding of route concepts and combinations, ability to be scheme, versatile play in zone and man, very physical. He towers over all these guys at training camp right now. He is incredibly hard to miss uh, <laughs> out on that field. He is just one of those guys that is an absolute prototype of a corner and no teams, no cornerback prototypes like the NFC South, right? Because you have these huge receivers that you have to match up with all the time. And Paulson Adebo Uh, is absolutely one of the next additions in terms of that bill, just like, you know, J.C. Horn over in Carolina. And Carolina, Mm -hmm. of course, also adding Terrace Marshall, who is another towering receiver here in the NFC South. So you're seeing those trends continue. And Paulson Adebo hopefully will get the opportunity to be a part of that. But I worry that he's going to end up having his development rushed a little much if they're Mm -hmm. not able to address that cornerback position opposite Marshawn Lattimore. It would be better, I think, to allow him to kind of redshirt as much of his rookie season as possible. Get the NFL speed under his belt, get through camps, get through practices, all these other things, understand the scheme and then be deployed more uh, sort of at the forefront in 2022.
0: Some guys thrive being thrown in the deep end early. But like you said, I mean, given the the gap between playing, you know, it it does seem logical that Paulson Demo would need some time to get up to speed. And then the other side of that coin, of course, is your least favorite draft pick. So of the group, you know, if you have a guy who is kind of your least favorite pick and why is it Ian Book? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it would be Ian Book. It's not saying much, you know, I'm yeah. I'm generally a, a not very negative person. So to say that someone is my least favorite is probably more so just to say that they're like my least most favorite at right. the same time. Right. Uh, but the, the pick of Ian Book was really interesting. Uh, a quick anecdote is that I was during draft day, I was on with the Rise and Draft guys. Uh, Doing a quick appearance because everyone was confused about why the Saints didn't draft a, a quarterback in the first round, which I thought was really interesting. And in the midst of me explaining, well, you know, you have the first quarterback competition going on since Jeff Blake and Aaron Brooks 20 years ago. You don't need to murky the waters, blah, blah, blah. Of course, that is exactly when the Saints drafted Ian Book. But very clearly, uh, Ian Book is not going to be competing for a starting role. They're not going to put a ceiling on the guy, but he's not going to be competing for a starting role here in 2021. But he's an intriguing prospect that Drew Brees likes a lot, that Sean Payton likes a lot, that a lot of the NFL actually likes a lot as well. He's a winning quarterback, and he gives you both – Drew Brees' sort of mentality in terms of football IQ, but also gives you Taysom Hill's escapability. So I never really compare him to Drew Brees without also making sure that I note his mobility and his ability to get outside the pocket and extend plays. And he's extremely calm under pressure, very confident in his skills, knows what he can do, knows what he can't do, which I think is really important. The only thing is getting him away from a run first mentality. You and I sat down oh. together and we watched him at the Senior Bowl, remember? Mm-hmm. And that was oh, one of the I remember. first things. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the first things that he said was like, why do you keep tucking and running? <laughs> like it's, you take, you take three steps and then all of a sudden you're like, gotta get out this pocket and I'm yeah. out of here. So there are, you know, some adjustments that I think needs to be made there in terms of turning him into a little bit more of a pocket passer first with escape ability, as opposed to him just being an escape artist by trade.
0: This episode of the Locked on Bucks podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. NFL action, literally getting started. As we speak, you can go to betonline.ag. All your latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Before the next contest, head over to our friends at betonline.ag. Get your sign-up bonuses and your contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Again, that website betonline.ag. Sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ross Jackson hosts Locked On Saints. Partnership Manager for Locked On Network, my host, NFL Channel Coordinator over the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola, joining me here on the Locked On Bucks Podcast. And, and Ross, you one of the reasons you are so good at your job, and, and I know that you know people see a lot of tweets out there from Locked On hosts giving you singing your praises. We talk about it all the time when you're on the show, and even whenever the Saints come up, we we sing your praises. But one of the reasons is because you're so tuned in and it's it's very, very well deserved. So I want everybody out there to understand it's we're not green light or gas gaslighting anybody. It's it's very well deserved. I'm confident you could fill in for all thirty two NFL team channels or shows and pick up like you were you were already an expert. Oh, by the way, Ross also hosts a day every week at the Locked On NFL podcast as well. So just I keep forgetting to throw that out there. So if you're hosting Thank the you, Locked man. On Bucks, yeah. You're looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, they just won the Super Bowl. They brought back all their starters and most of their backup singers. What are your thoughts on the 2021 Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming from the New Orleans Saints lens?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, man. Like Beyond just returning 22 starters, returning both Todd Bowles and Byron Lefwich is also remarkably impressive. Because yeah. not only did this team stay together in terms of who they put on the field, the leaders off the field are still here. And in Tampa. And I think that is vital for this team, because a lot of times you'll see, you know, teams get plucked apart when it comes to, you know, a Super Bowl winning roster. That happens a lot. But oftentimes, too, you see the coaching staff get plucked apart quite a bit, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so I give the Bucks a ton of credit for not only being able to retain their roster, but retain their front, you know, their their coaching staff, their leadership. As well, because especially Todd Bowles, if I'm being entirely honest, especially Todd Bowles, his defensive coaching this year and everything that he did with this system was just remarkable. And he fielded a team and fielded a unit out there that every team hated to go up against from Mm -hmm. the pass rushers to the secondary, the quick, the, the incredibly quick development of these corners, Sean Murphy bunting, Carlton Davis, I mean, seeing uh, Antoine Winfield, who apparently no one wants. Oh, I guess I guess it's Devin White. Nobody wants Devin White dating their sister, but that's a whole <laughs> other thing. But, you know, I mean, like these guys and, and just the, the development of them so quickly and watching it happen from week one to week 17 and into the playoffs was remarkable. So when I look at this team, I think this team should have all the confidence in the world going into the 2021 season. They clearly do, and there's nothing wrong with that. They absolutely should. And mm-hmm. they should be a team that should be considered... Maybe I think now you can fold the Green Bay Packers back in because maybe the ice has thawed a little bit with Aaron Rodgers, but I still get a little bit concerned about that that situation. The fact that it happened at all could spell trouble later on down the line uh, throughout the season. And then maybe the Rams, because the Rams upgraded big time at quarterback with Mm -hmm. uh, going from Jared Goff to Matt Stafford. I think that maybe you can put those other guys in the conversation, but you have to be confident in the Stanford Bay Bucks team with Tom Brady at the helm and with a cohesive and connected unit. Who's going to be looking to, to repeat here in 2021.
0: Absolutely. And of course that leads us into our final question for today's episode. And that is, where do you think the New Orleans saints stack up? I mean, defending NFC South division champs, that is, that is true until it is not true. This 2021 Saints team is a lot different, it's looking like, than the 2020 Saints team. So where do you think they stack up in the NFC South this year?
1: Yeah, they're in a very, very different position than they were over the past four years when they've taken home that title. I expect the Saints to be appropriately favored as maybe the number two team, mm-hmm. only because Atlanta did like nothing to their defense mm-hmm. at all and I'm baffled by that. Uh, They added Kyle Pitts, which I think is outstanding. They put a little bit more focus on the offensive line. They bring in Mike Davis, who's great as a running back there, great option as a running back there, who had a nice season last year in relief of uh, Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, but they just did not fix that defense. And so I'm concerned about Atlanta from that perspective, and I just, I'm sorry, but I just do not believe in Sam Darnold in no. Carolina. That's no. just a tough, that's a tough one for me to buy. I'll love it if I see it, because I love watching people succeed, right. but it's a tough one for me to buy here and project forward. So I think I look at the Saints as having maybe a little bit of a leg up, and a lot of it has to do with coaching more than anything else, mm-hmm. uh, At when it comes to those other two teams. Uh, In the division, but I don't know that they're going to be able to compete for the number one spot and, you know, be the first team to win this division five times in a row. I I don't put them up there and I don't put them as Super Bowl contenders either. I think this is a team that if they can get through the first five games, two and three, then they're in a good enough space to be able to have a winning season this season. Because either you're a winning team or you're a losing team now with 17 games. And I think that they'd be in a good position there to go seven and five down the road and maybe finish nine and eight. And that's that's potential playoff team. That's nope. a potential playoff team. That's all you need uh, with the additional um, uh, playoff spot. So that's about where I see them is if they can come in second within the division, that's a great place for them. And winning the or getting, excuse me, into the playoffs at all is a is is a win for this franchise right now in their first big adjustment year post Brees.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. So the New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers face off for the first time midseason. So uh, the Saints will have a good amount of time. Might have Michael Thomas back by then and have the ability to figure out a little bit of who they are in this 2021 season and then have even more tape uh, to watch. Obviously, they have experience against this Bucks team. And then that Week 15 matchup, I mean, that could very well be for a playoff spot. Uh, so we'll have to see how this whole thing stacks up. Interesting, though, right now I've got the Saints and Falcons both finishing second place so i'm looking forward to my locked on panthers preseason crossover to see if maybe the panthers are also finishing second place because that would mean that two of the three uh, are going to end the season disappointed or somebody's going to win the division out of those and be very happy with their underestimation (laughs) i remember a few years back we all put the falcons fourth place and they actually finished second place so i mean yeah hey crazier things have happened ross jackson once again on twitter at ross jackson nola host a Locked On Saints, and a slew of other responsibilities, including being the co-host of uh, Dylan and Ross Safe Sports on Full Press Radio. Definitely want to give a shout-out to our boy Dylan and, and yeah. give you guys some encouragement to go check out that show. He does a lot of great work also uh, by side-by-side uh, side with Ross Jackson. So, Ross, thanks for joining me here. Looking forward to our next crossover episode um, in season and then any conversations we have between now and then.
1: Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, Thanks for everything that you do. And uh, thanks for always being here. I appreciate you big time and glad to be able to be here with you today.
0: Thank you, Ross. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the first of two crossover episodes dropping today. Again, this one, Ross Jackson locked on Saints. Greatly appreciate Ross stop by to have a conversation with us and inform us on this Tampa Bay Buccaneers division rival. Now that you're finished with this episode, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed or following the show, guys. Make sure you got those auto downloads turned on, especially if you're listening to us during your drive to work. We will have another episode driving before your commute home, so make sure you get those downloads ready. And check out my episode with Julian Council, host of the Locked On Panthers podcast, coming up later today. Tomorrow, James and I will be back with our sixth episode of the week. Get a six episode week from the Locked On Bucks podcast. What else could be better? Oh, yeah, Buccaneers football. We're definitely going to be talking about that and more. So make sure you come check us out. Again, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I am at D 82 James at JR, underscore Bucks. The shows at Locked On Bucks bucksnation.com on twitter at bucks underscore nation for all of our written work until we speak again if you're out and about please be safe be kind to one another and thank you so much for joining me right here at Locked on Bucks